and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Happy Friday, otherwise known as Happy Avengers Endgame Day. We are live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number if you want to be a part of the program. Or you can take advantage of the SteveDace.com inbox by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Like us on Facebook, but they don't like us at Facebook, so you'll need to like us a lot over there. Uh, thank you to those of you that have clicked like, subscribe on all of those things. If you're listening today via podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review. Those help us to find more people like you. And thousands of you have left us five-star reviews already, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Coming up a little bit later on, typical Friday, we'll have the Dace Group. Uh, Shannon Joy from New York will be joining us here momentarily. Also, today's Truth Bomb, which is another cheap shot at Todd, but he probably deserves it. Uh, and then also some Feedback Friday coming your way as well. But you might recall, speaking of truth bombs, we recently talked about why are millennials embracing socialism? Where did this come from? Well, it's a learned behavior because sadly, some of the tenets of socialism were passed down to them by their parents and grandparents. Well, what that means is your work, your productivity, your portfolio, your savings are now at risk. If indeed the next generation fully embraces socialism to find out uh, how to avoid or limit some of this risk, you need to get the protect your wealth report from our friends at Swiss America. This is free for our audience on the blaze right now. If you give them a call at 800-289-2646, that's 1-800-289-2646 toll free, or you can visit them online at SwissAmerica.com. You know, this is these people I've known Craig R. Smith and the team there for years, interviewed them several times in the past. We'll have Craig on the show because he is a smart cookie and a great radio guest. This is information that will help you. SwissAmerica.com or 800 289 2646. And now let's get to the day's group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins with issue one, our weekly update on the Democratic race for the crazy train nomination. Bleep, Democrats say. And so we're going to introduce legislation to ban the glass and steel skyscrapers that have contributed so much to global warming. You know, children, seniors, we all need to drink clean air and uh, drink clean water and breathe clean air. <laughs> and, you know, don't, don't drink the air. Does this mean that you would support enfanchising people like the Boston Marathon bomber? I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. Uh, I support uh, Congresswoman Jackson Lee's bill 
to do a commission to study reparations. We celebrated Tiger Woods recently returning back to glory, winning at the Masters. We didn't spend very much time asking ourselves, why was this tournament called the Masters? Um, it's uh, something to see all three at uh, the, the top of the polls being led by three white men, though. I have to say it... Um, uh, you know, I, I am concerned that as someone who worked for a woman candidate last time, that uh, there's something that about the sort of biases we still hold about leadership and what that looks like that makes us gravitate towards um, towards men and um, and even white men. It's when you guys are supposed to cheer. And yet, the political coverage of this historic record number of women running for president is wildly skewed. The way in which we describe women candidates is much more likely to be gendered in negative terms. My question is about Elon Omar. The criticisms of Congresswoman Omar, what Donald Trump has been saying about her is reprehensible. It is trafficking in Islamophobia and it should be condemned by everyone. Upon being elected, I will give the United States Congress 100 days to get their act together and have the courage to pass reasonable gun safety laws. And if they fail to do it, then I will take executive action. And specifically what I will do is put in place a requirement that for anyone who sells more than five guns a year, they are required to do background checks when they sell those guns. I will require that for any gun dealer that breaks the law, the ATF take their license. And by the way, ATF, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Well, the ATF has been doing a lot of the A and the T, but not much of the F. And we need to fix that. Donald doesn't know what's in the Constitution. He thinks he's a dictator, and he is moving to turn this country into a Trump dictatorship. Well, I think there's enough there that any other person who had um, engaged in those acts um, would certainly uh, have been indicted. But people who are in convicted in prison, like the Boston Marathon bomber, on death row, people who are convicted of sexual assault, they should be able to vote? I think we should have that conversation. You used to argue that you should have government control of the means of capitalism, uh, uh, energy companies, factories, When did I say that? In the 70s. No, uh, but hold what on. What did you say in the 70s? We've got to overcome um, the institutional racism in our democracy, especially in the states of the former Confederacy, with a new Voting Rights Act. That's part one. I gotta tell you that uh, that rendition of the hammer and sickle, the uh, Soviet uh, national anthem, it get used to it. It gets me every time. Gets me every time. Our first question on a scale of one to ten, with one being as limp and inconsequential as Lindsey Graham's T level, and ten being as vigorous as Ilan Omar's anti-Semitism. How crazy is this week's edition of Bleep Democrats Say, Todd? Well, this is pretty standard issue crazy. Uh, so I, I think maybe I'll give it a four. Uh, wow. I, it's crazy. It's nuts. But it's the part of the question is, is consequential, right? I, I mean, I know I was all about uh, the one who's dumbest last loses. And Steve, you were kind enough to say, you know, maybe we, uh, you were ahead of your time. Uh, but I need to see consequences and aaron and i had a conversation about this last week kamala harris should be done she's not done 
there's no you get to say all kind donald trump is our president you were there in the room and i watched you in the room when he said the things he said about john mccain and you said done not done president of the united states that's the world we live in so i you gotta it's crazy but it's always crazy and they just took the house back and they took the house back with the likes of the omars and acasi cortezes so i'll believe the consequential when i see it shannon Rate the crazy. What do you think? So that's that is crazy town USA. And I have to say, you, I, I'm thankful that I'm on the program today because I have trained myself to not watch anything that happens in the Democrat primaries. Right. <laughs> I, I treat it as a squirrel. So I'm not treated to the lunacy. I, you know, I spend my time criticizing Republicans. <laughs> that's So that is I mean, that is off the charts. I give it a 10. And what is even crazier and, and this is where it gets bad, it, it would be. I mean, it would be entertaining and hilarious if it weren't so terrifying. But you can take each one of those those crazy remarks, the the premises that Democrats lay out for the new Green Deal or some some kind of wild, you know, prohibition policy, and you can apply to them a, a Republican plan in the same vein, right? Because the Republicans they they accept the premise of the Democrats and then they double down on it. And one hey, of the Matt, Matt Gates had his own Green Deal, right? Like a week or two ago, yeah. That's what I was just going to say. Here we're talking about the new Green Deal, and Matt Gates comes out with the real Green Deal or the real deal, and and so it's you know we're we're the false choice we have I think coming up in the 2020 election is radical communists versus radical socialists. I mean, if you want to understand 21st century politics, replace Democrat with communist and Republican with socialist, and you'll understand the choices that we have. So um, yeah, it's crazy, it's scary, and I, I'm. I'm thankful I was treated to that because uh, now I'm going to have to get my button gear and, and see what we can do to stop it. It's awful. So you live in a blue state, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, now you're in the upstate part that's considered the more conservative, right? Right. But you live in a pretty hardcore blue state. Um, how much uh, away from Manhattan or maybe even Brooklyn, how much of the rest of that state that, that views themselves as blue state voters, how much of them view what we just watched as, as what they really believe, do you think? I don't even think the Democrats, even some of your more of your moderate Democrats in New York would support any of you know those statements. I think that, that at least here in New York, uh, it, it really is a, a government. It's you know gone awry. And you, if you were to poll New Yorkers, you know most of them are dissatisfied with the way that government is go- is going. Which is exactly uh, why they want more of it, of course. Yes. Which it, it's the most. That's why we've lost our minds. I mean, yeah. poli- you know, if you're going to describe America in 2019, we've dropped our basket. We're crazy. We I mean, we don't like anything that's coming out of government, but we never do anything to change it. And that's kind of the status quo in New York State. You have. Andrew Cuomo. I mean, we have absolutely draconian vaccination policies that I've been covering on my program where where families are being threatened with fines or imprisonment if they're not vaccinated. You know, government agent can, can't come in and, and vaccinate them against their will. We have we have paper. We have plastic bag bans in New York state. I mean, it's it's arbitrary and capricious, whatever Andrew Cuomo, whatever whim that, you know, he decides to seize upon on any given day, legislation follows. The Republicans are absolutely impotent to change anything. And, you know, they really, the manifestation of the unibrow is, is fully 
uh, found in New York state. I mean, this is when you get to the very end of it mm-hmm. and there's no recourse for the people. No one in New York is satisfied with the way that the government is going, but it, we're absolutely impotent to change anything at all. And I fear that for the country. I mean, that's why, you know, I have a unique perspective here in New York and I see it happening in red states as well. And I see this happening as a na- at a national level with the Republican Party. Um, we're really mo- quickly moving towards a, a one party system, I think. Aaron, rate your crazy. Yeah, uh, I will say this week it's um, it's always going to be a five because the amount of crazy that's going to happen next week is going to average out what happened this week. And so it's just going to be a five until we <laughs> keep, you know, it's kind of like the frog in a boiling, boiling kettle. Um, I got to push back on something that Shannon just said, though, uh, about the radical communists versus the radical socialists. Mitch McConnell told me this week that he's going to be socialism's grim reaper, Shannon. Um <laughs> And I think we can all agree that there are there is tons of evidence that Mitch McConnell has shown the willingness and ability. Never mind. Um, so as far as the radical guys, the, the de- debates haven't even the debates haven't even. Started. I know. I know. And we're getting all. Yes, they haven't had to directly yes, compete with each other yet Boston, for crazy. Yes. No. And this is the, the this is the way the debates are going to go. I'm communist. No, I'm yeah. communist. And then just increasingly, I'm communist. Yep. No, I'm more communister than you. That's that's how the debates are going to be. Uh, felons should vote. Um, you know what? What the, the uh, you know the decaying bones of Karl Marx should be able to vote. This is how it, the crazy has not even begun to cray cray yet. And this is what we've we're left with. That was guys, all of what you just saw there happened in the last seven to 10 days. Yeah. All, all of that. Yeah. Beginning with Bill de Blasio saying, uh, yeah, we're not going to build any more uh, steel or glass skyscrapers. Um, it's guys, I cannot. Do they want to do they want to build wicker ones? Yes. See what I did there? (laughs) (laughs) I cannot underscore how much crazier this is going to get. Agreed. That's and Steve, you know that great line from the end of the Wonder Woman movie where Chris Pine says, It's it's not what you deserve, but it's about what you believe. It's not it's not what you believe, it's about what you can pull off. Right. That's why there's no there's no thing that's going to end you. You will just try something else and try something else. Um and especially when it is still April. We're not into May yet. The only nothing's over. The only reds Mitch McConnell's a threat to are your Marlboro Reds. Okay. Because he's declared war on the tobacco age. There it is. Exit See question. You, there. you see what I did there? Yeah. I'm here all week. Don't try the veal, though. It's not that good. Uh, exit question. If Kamala Harris's chances of winning the Democratic nomination after saying the Boston Marathon bomber should be able to vote, if they were a Garth Brooks song, which Garth Brooks song would it be? A, uh, Friends in Low Places. B, Ain't Going Down. Or C, The Thunder Rolls. Aaron. Ain't Going Down. Todd? It's A, but like if it was covered by Nine Inch Nails or something. (laughs) Friday's his day. Friday is Todd's day. He's good on Friday. Shannon? I'll go with Ain't Going Down. Ain't Going Down. Hey, do you have uh, itchy ears? Well, this seems like a good time to place this ad. (laughs) Uh, Do you have that plugged up feeling? Are you constantly asking people to repeat themselves? Unless it's the stuff that we just saw in that montage. Uh, If any of these problems sound familiar to you, you could be like millions of Americans who are doomed to visit the doctor for a long wait and a copay for a professional ear cleaning at a doctor's office. But 
What if I could save you from that and the comfort and convenience of your own home and without a prescription? That's another hassle dealing with that, right? So without a prescription as well, I can. It's called WaxRx, a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then soothes the ear for the with that pH condition formula to make it feel like you actually went to the doctor and you didn't. You can try this system risk-free today. Here's how. Just go to usewaxrx. That's all one word. Usewaxrx.com. Usewaxrx.com. Use the offer code radio at checkout while you're there for free shipping. Usewaxrx.com. One more time. Usewaxrx.com. Let's get to issue two. A millennial always pays his debts. Or not. Elizabeth Warren announced her plan to subsidize student loan relief for about 95% of Americans this week. Today, it's virtually impossible for a young person to find a high-quality education at an affordable price. We're crushing an entire generation with student loan debt, and the consequences are everywhere. Young people can't buy homes. They can't start businesses. No country builds a future by crushing the dreams and hopes of its young people. According to Make Lemonade, a company which tracks student loan debt statistics and helps borrowers refinance, in 2018, the total student debt for Americans, thanks to student loans, sat at about $1.5 trillion. According to those same stats, about 45 million American borrowers have student loan debt, and about 10% of those are delinquent meaning they haven't paid on their loans in at least 90 days. So it's a legitimate problem. Conservative or right-of-center reaction consisted of those like the New York Times' Ross Douthat, who said that student loans should be forgiven for borrowers with two or more children. Other pundits, like Polymath, simply insisted conservatives need to have an alternative beyond chiding straw men or else we're just being stupid. Wherever you fall, however, the allure of having massive loans forgiven is going to be a powerful weapon for the left in future elections. All right, let's not straw man this. Let's have a serious conversation about it, okay? Given all the freebies, and I want us to only look at it from the Republican side, all right? Neither Shannon and I think are even registered Republicans. I have no idea what Todd and Aaron are. I ain't. Okay. All right. But so we're going to have four non-Republicans. Look at this from the GOP. <laughs> Why not? It's, we are, we've, got, we've got Eric Swellwell uh, complaining about uh, not enough uh, women and minorities in government and on TV while he's in government and on TV. Um, you are a registered Republican still, Shannon? Is that, are you? Absolutely. Haven't gone around to changing it. I mean, that's uh, in name only. All right, well, that's a that's a glowing endorsement. So, given all the freebies, though, Republicans have already signed off on. Why not make a play? And I, I'm I'm asking a serious question. Does he mean I'm advocating this position? I'm advocating a serious conversation. Given all the freebies they've already signed off on, why not make a play preemptively for the millennial vote by forgiving their student loan debt? Their parents and grandparents, uh, the student loan debt aside, have already passed on to them trillions of dollars of incalculable debt, welfare state, everything else that they're expected to pay and subsidize anyway. And we all know Democrats are eventually going to do this anyway. So if it's going to happen anyway, we already allowed the previous generations to pawn off trillions upon trillions of dollars of debt to these millennials before they ever earn their first paycheck. Then And you're already giving in to the welfare state on 50 other fronts anyway. Why not make a play 
and do this, Todd. Because you'll still be called bigots anyways for several other reasons. And it breaks... You think... think, I'm asking. You're saying you think millennials care more about gay marriage and their student loans? Aaron, you believe that? I believe that. You do? Okay. I'm asking. I'm... the I'm typical. Just, I'm just asking questions who, here. Who who are okay? we talking about here? We're talking about people with student loans, meaning what? They went to a university or a college, yeah. meaning what? They're probably more more inclined to be SJW. Okay. Well, the Republicans are great for gay marriage too. So we're two yeah. for two. And the other reason yeah. it breaks one of your commandments: you never abandon your base. This would abandon the base. How would it abandon the base that's already getting all kinds of government freebies? All kinds of them. Their base is getting is their base are their, the Republican Party's base are crony capitalists who are lining who are getting their pockets lined by the Republican Party. That's their base. Most of their base voted for Trump because they thought he was going to use the power of big government to help them in their constituency groups instead of the liberals constituency groups. There is no limited government base anymore. It doesn't exist. Oh, I don't I don't it, it may not be as powerful as it once was, but it, it's the kind of thing that'll keep people from staying home and, and drip by drip by drip give up on I, the Republican Party. That I don't agree with at all. I, I don't think there's any any punishment for growing government by voters in this country on any level. I don't like that to now when, I am making a judgment. I don't like that to be true. I it, just think that it is when the margins are as tight as they are in electoral politics these days. You don't have to abandon your whole base. You need to abandon part of your base. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I want did you we, to be. Did right. any of us vote Republican on a regular basis? But but we that's the point. We don't count. They, they're not counting us. It, there is no it, limited government vote in America. It's 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 you know it's the unicorn vote. It's 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 you know it, it's nobody's. No one's voting on limited government in America anymore. I wish that were true, but it's not. Or I wish it weren't true. I should say, but it is. But. Um, Shannon, you give it a crack. Tell me why you wouldn't do this if you're a Republican. If you're Trump, why wouldn't you announce next week we're forgiving all the student loan debt? Why wouldn't you do it? There's no reason not to do it. And I think that your point is correct that... Uh, the, the U.S. population today is not is not necessarily voting for limited government, but I don't think it's because they don't want limited government. I think we've just been trained by false choices. It's, yeah, it's unattainable. Years. Yeah, I the mean, minute the minute you start limiting government, someone suffers, and then the whole conversation ends at that point. It's an unattainable it's an unattainable gesture. Well, and I think the reason is, you know, we talk a lot about $22 trillion in, in federal debt and unfunded liabilities and the problems within the federal government. But if you, if you, uh, you know, pull back the scope a little bit and you look at the country as a whole, I mean, every state, Texas and New York state alike, both have about $50 billion in debt yeah. that they're dealing with. If you look at every municipality, local governments, county governments, city governments, and you go down to corporations, small to medium sized businesses, to average households, to individuals, this is a nation that has decided at some point to just go all in on the debt game. And at this point, I think in Washington, D.C., we just have a bunch of politicians that are just cashing in. It's almost as if everyone knows that unless we live in the magical 21st century, where debt doesn't matter. I mean, if 4,000 years of human history is just erased and 
and we can all just live in this this debt-ridden utopia. Nothing will ever change. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think the plate here with Republicans and Democrats is just basically th- throw everything at it, free everything, free Skittles, free M&Ms, free TV, free housing, free education, because it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, we're going down this path. It's why, you know, I really, I really truly believe, I mean, this is why I've, I've abandoned any analysis of Washington, D.C. It's over. I mean, my estimation is we have lost. It's done. And we need to retreat to higher ground. And, you know, the way I see it, the higher ground is local and state government, school boards, zoning boards, city boards. I mean, and, you know, I, I did a show recently on Samuel Adams and all the work that he did in Boston before the Revolutionary War. And from the Townsend Act to the T Act to, you know, it was essentially Boston being encouraged by Samuel Adams and, and his and his brothers to basically resist. I mean, you know, Great Britain would put down a law, they would impose a tax and they were just like, nope, not going to do it. <laughs> we're not complying. We're, and, you know, that resulted in the British Navy camped out in their harbor. I mean, they sent, they sent three naval ships because of what they were doing in Boston. That's what needs to happen in the United States of America. We need towns and villages to rise up, reject the government money, begin to organize themselves and peacefully resist the tyranny. Because it would, you know, that was 10 years when they were resisting those laws. It was 10 years later that we had the, you know, the Revolutionary War. And I'm not advocating violence here. I'm saying that we need a peaceful revolution in the country. I still believe it can happen, but it's not going to happen anywhere near Washington, D.C. And quite frankly, it's not even going to happen with the state government heads because every Republican government uh, governor is in the tank. It's over there. Aaron, where do your parents and I'm asking this seriously, where do your parents and grandparents get off saying to you? You cannot have your student loan debt forgiven because you have to pay for my health care. You've got to pay for everything else of my, my, that, mine that you have subsidized. You've got to pay for my forgiven home loan debt in the Obama years. Where do they get off saying you have to subsidize my poor choices and my debt and my lifestyle, but your debt cannot be forgiven? Where does the moral high ground for that come from? I, I'm asking. Um, the same, uh, the, the same place, the same magical place that, um, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the spirit or the intention is right, even though my facts weren't completely right. That's, that's the same place that that comes from. And, um, again, this is strictly, this is all of our principles set aside. We're just giving analysis on what the Republican party should do. Same argument that you've all often given with the minimum wage. Hey, if you're going to give this freebie, why stop it? Right. Just one freebie. Give five, six, 10, 1,000 freebies. Why the hell are you giving Planned Parenthood a half billion a year? Why not give them a And you get no votes for that. Give them a billion. Yeah, you'd get all kinds of votes if you gave, forgave billions of dollars in student loan debt. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Would you win the millennial vote? No. Would you get more than the 3% you're going to get next year? Hell to the yeah, you would. You might get 10, 15, 20. Hell yeah, you would. Hell yeah, you would. So instead of handing Planned Parenthood checks to go out there and go run against you, at least make a play to get 10 to 20% more of the millennial vote and forgive all their debt. You've already forgiven everybody else's debt. I don't, no one's making a case against this that I think is credible. Well, you're wrong about that. You're still going to be a bigot. To to the majority of them, I agree. Would I get 10 to 15 points of millennials? Yeah, I do believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah. I could say. And I think that's being conservative. Really? Yeah. No. I'm not sure. I'm not totally sure that. I mean, I think you'd get a little tick, tick up, uh, uptick. I'm not sure if I agree with that much. Um, but because I, I do think that most millennials are like, uh, you know, I don't care what you've done for me. I mean, have you seen any campus reform videos recently? 
where they talk, where they uh, provide quotes from uh, Barack Obama or Donald Trump and tell them that it was either Donald Trump or Barack Obama and it was really the other one. And they're like, yeah, if it's Barack Obama, that sounds yeah. great. Yeah. And if it was Donald Trump, oh, no, 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 no. How great did Ronald Reagan's amnesty work? In terms of drawing the the, the the world of the left, minorities, whatever, to republicanism. No. Well, I don't care about drawing people to republicanism. I'm just asking, where do you... The wh- vote. Why, why, yeah. yeah. Why, why do you think... Why would you not... What, what, what's the, tell me what... The, in the Republican room, then, why won't they do this? Why, would, why, why does everybody else get a freebie except the, gen, the next generation of voters? Why, why, that, that, politically, that doesn't make any sense to me. Sooner or later, this is a check that cannot be cashed. None of these are checks that are ever going to be cashed, ever. Well, it depends on the immediacy of them. And I think that they think this one comes up and bites you a little sooner rather than later. One more quick thing. Uh, and I want to say this. I said this on the roundtable. On this issue, any sort of Republican, or not Republican, conservative uh, alternative to this Guys, we are just screwed. Okay, we're screwed on this issue. I'm waiting for Mike Lee to come forth with the plan that uh, <laughs> uh, if you do two years of public national we, service, you yeah. can have your student loan debt reduced or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to cut into your. Uh, we are screwed on this issue. That's the bottom line. Like actual conservatism is screwed on this issue. It's yeah, it, it was screwed long before we got to this issue. Maybe the final nail in the coffin, though. Exit question: Will there be a student loan debt mass amnesty in the next five years, Shannon? Yes, but there are going to be so many caveats to it that, um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be exactly what they pitch. Yeah. yeah. Todd? Yes, probably. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Then if there's going to be one, if you're Donald Trump, why don't you just announce this tomorrow? Spend the next year campaigning on this. I mean, if it's going to ha- to me, it just seems like if you're going to go all in, grab your suckling spot on the government teat. I don't understand the difference of not of holding one group accountable and not another. We'll come back. More of the Dace Group here in a moment on The Blaze. Here on the Steve Day Show, upwards of 50 million Americans are living daily with chronic pain. Uh, we spend about $2,000 a year uh, for pain relief, whether that's creams, pills, etc. cetera. Uh, two-thirds of us in a recent survey said we just expected we're going to have to live with this chronic pain pretty much uh, as part of our daily lives. What if there was a potential that that was no longer the case? You know, we've had tons of people here at The Blaze have amazing results with a product called Relief Factor. It's 100% drug-free. It is physician-created. It's got four key ingredients that help your body win the battle against inflammation. And right now, you can try a trial pack for just a dollar a day. Uh, That's $19.95 for three weeks. And they put these trial packs out there because uh, they get so many people that end up coming to the product uh, on a regular or permanent basis because of the results they see in just those first three weeks. If you want to give this a shot, if you want to try the three-week quick start for just $19.95, here's how. Relieffactor.com. That's the website. Relieffactor.com. What do you got to lose? Except maybe, hopefully, the pain. Relieffactor.com. All right, let's get back to it here on the Dace Group. Shannon Joy from New York State joining Todd, Aaron, and I. Let's get to issue three. 
the narrow gate. This story, courtesy of LifeSite News. Rather than take a stand for the biblical definition of marriage, Michigan's largest Christian adoption agency waved the white flag last week, informing its employees that it will comply with the decision issued by the state's lesbian attorney general that requires faith-based adoption agencies to place children in homes of so-called LGBTQ couples if they want to receive taxpayer funding. Bethany Christian Services, a global nonprofit founded in Michigan in 1944 that currently operates in 35 U.S. states, has announced it will facilitate the placement of foster care children into gay and lesbian households in Michigan. The change will not impact other contracts the organization is currently engaged in, nor will it affect their privately funded infant adoption and international adoption services. The agency's national board of directors voted to alter their Michigan policy on a April 11th. Bethany's decision to jettison its previous support of biblical marriage occurred less than three weeks after Michigan's increasingly anti-Christian Attorney General, Dana Nessel, unilaterally voided a package of bills passed in 2015 by the state legislature that carved out conscience protections for religious adoption agencies. At the time, Nessel, who was quote-unquote married to a woman, said the laws were a victory for hate mongers. Bethany's board notified employees of its capitulation to Nessel's demands on Holy Thursday last week. So just to let you know what the score is here, um, we have duly uh, passed legislation in my old home state of Michigan that was to protect religious conscience. The lesbian attorney general has just nullified them. She's just not going, she swore an oath of office. She's just not going to uphold those laws. Um, and she's just going to not, not only she's not going to uphold them, she's going to actually uh, enforce and litigate the opposite end. So she's going to make law unto herself. Uh, she is being sued in federal court, of course, because that's all we ever do is sue these people. Uh, Bethany, by the way, did not join the lawsuit. All right. So here's our first question. Did this uh, cherished Christian agency, which handled my mother-in-law's adoption uh, many, many moons ago, did they sell out to Caesar to maintain government funding? Or did they make a prudent, pragmatic choice to avoid sentencing even more orphans to the state? Todd? Uh, the former. Um, listen, they, you keep treating this thing like a Leviathan when it really isn't, and you get what you deserve. Listen, this woman should be tarred and feathered, and she would have in a better day. But everybody keeps... The making, attorney general, you mean? Yes, yes. Keeps making the excuse, but this is just the world we live in. Um, there's been a lot of worlds we live in where people have stood up and said, no, 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 their names are, you know, Bonhoeffer and, and things like that. But you, you just keep equivocating. You, you need to say no. You need to perhaps get arrested. Uh, you need to have the optics on the people. And this is not a new thing. This is long understood by Christians and non-Christians uh, like uh, Martin Luther King, uh, Gandhi. Uh, you are being persecuted. But when you're never, ever willing to take a punch in the name of that persecution, the bullies will get away with it. You're, just, you're, you're being bullied. And if you never, ever, ever are willing to stand up, you don't have much complaint when your kids are going to get bullied either. This is, there, there is no good reason for, for, for simply accepting this as reality. 
uh, and especially if you're uh, a Christian organization, uh, the, 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 where is the suffering servant in all of this? You're just going to make you're going to make sure that the trains keep running on time. To to what end? Where does this go? Uh, I did this and I did this and I did this in your name. That's where it goes. And the Lord will say, "I do not know you." So, Aaron, the uh, the spokesperson for Bethany Christian Services in her statement. Uh, actually attempted to make somewhat of a biblical case under the uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself, that um, this will be a small portion of the adoptions they will do, uh, that if they don't do these adoptions, these children may suffer, and it's better to introduce them to essentially some form of Christian ministry than have them completely alienated from the church by not uh, taking part in the process whatsoever. Are you sympathetic to those arguments at all? That's some really... Interesting exegesis there. Um, we'll put it that way. Uh, no, I'm not sympathetic to that. I mean, there it, it and it's not like a it's that doesn't mean that uh, children should be uh, how you put it, you know, basically sacrificed to the state or put in the state's hands um, because of this larger uh, larger principle. Um, only a small portion of their services will be. Have <laughs> we heard that before? LGBTQ Aaron? couples. Yeah, where where have you heard that before? Huh. Now tell me about how you're going to be harming children. Come on. Come on. The fact that this type of argument is even entertained or even pops into a person's head tells you that they never really considered or had the forethought or maybe the fortitude to actually resist, to act, truly resist, actually resist, actually um, rebel against the... Law, and I've got the air quotes up there for our podcast listeners. Uh, that type of argument just does not, it's not an argument. It's just, it's a fig leaf at the very, at the very best. And guys, this Paul and the other apostle, uh, apostles put me in jail. Okay, I'll preach the gospel. Shipwrecked, preach the gospel. Uh, all forms of maladies, preach the gospel. That was his job. He didn't let anything that the world, Caesar or otherwise, affect his ministry. I, I just don't understand. We, how many times have we done the show? Have we done the segment? Have we said what Todd said in passing just a couple minutes ago? Just say no. We've done that, sh- we've done that a million times just in the, in the time that I've been with you. We've done that, said that so many times, and yet, oh, we're going to file a lawsuit. The lawsuit is the enemy's playground. It's the enemy's field. Why just freaking resist? Say, you know, uh, take your lawlessness and uh, stick it where the sun sun don't shine. That's what's truly required here, and I just don't see much of that. So, Shannon, I'm going to serve you up a softball. Do you have something you want to add to that, One more say. The one time we did see that, that was Kim Davis, but but we can't we can't have we can't let her be our symbol because she's she's got a checkered past. I'll I'll just leave that there too. Mm. So Shannon, I'm gonna serve you up a softball. You can tell the uh, nine or ten uh, followers you have that are uh, literally stalking me on social media for not hating Sorry. for not hating Donald Trump as much as they do. Don't tell them I never did anything for you because I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna. This is what Denny McLean did for Mickey Mantle in the summer of '68 to make sure he got his 500th home run. He signaled to him, "I'm gonna I'm hanging a curveball so you can hit this over the wall." True story. All right. Isn't what Bethany Christian Services did here the bargain they made? to get government funding. 
and the rationale by which they used used to justify it. Isn't that pretty much the same rationalization most Christians use in how they vote? Absolutely. This is, um, you know, I think that there's a crisis of courage in the Christian community in so many ways. And I think the, the smartest play, the most honest play for Bethany to make at this point is to remove the word Christian from their name and operate in the way that they want to operate, which is an extension of the federal government or the state government. And this is where every Christian organization gets gets messed up, in my opinion. You know, I I tithe to a few different organizations in my community. They're local. And the first question that I ask them is, do you take any federal money? Do you take any state money? Uh, you you live by the government subsidy and you die by the government subsidy, even mm-hmm. if it's only a little bit. And it's the very beginning of the end. And this is why Christian organizations have, have to understand the grants of 20, 30, 40 years ago and the subsidies of 20, 30, year, 40 years ago are are not the same as they are today. And they come with all sorts of strings attached. And this will continue to happen in Christian organizations. You see this in Catholic charities. They receive millions, if not billions of dollars from the federal government. They're in charge mainly of refugee resettlement, which is also illegal immigrant resettlement in hundreds of cities and counties all over the state. You look at Planned Parenthood, not Planned Parenthood, but um, new women's health centers. This is why you don't see any pushback from Republicans or the pro-life community against President Trump and the Republicans for funding Planned Parenthood and actually increasing funding for Planned Parenthood in 2017. And that's because the President Trump and the Republicans delivered them $250 million per year for so-called pro-life women's health centers to uh, operate alongside Planned Parenthood. And so when these organizations, and they call themselves Christians, and they have no business doing so, they are in no way, shape, or form Christian organizations. They are government organizations, and uh, we truly need, you guys talk often about a revival, but I'm I'm telling you, um, it's going to have to come from outside of some of these mainstream quote unquote, Christian organizations, because um, they are, you cannot serve both God and mammon, and they're trying to do so. And each, every, every essence of Christianity is being stripped away from them, um, you know, with, with every uh, passage of time. So, yeah, it's sad. Exit question, which will come first? A Republican governor or president defying the courts or a Christian organization? Refusing to comply with the new tolerance, which will come Oof. first, Todd. Good grief. Impossible versus impossible. Uh, let's go with the latter. Shannon, which comes first? Because I believe in miracles and I believe in Jesus Christ, I'm going to say the latter as well. Christian organization. Aaron? Because I have zero faith in human nature, I'm going to say the former, uh, because I think at least in our country and because of the spirit of the age, the impulse that could and uh, the impulse to uh, gain power, the impulse to potentially gain some political leverage uh, is much bigger of a motivator than defying um, defying a judge or defying a, an order for a Christian organization. So I think it's the president defying the courts first. 
know, we've been telling you about Home Title Lock on our show for the last few months. And if you're looking for a story as to why, uh, there's a recent story out in Portland, Oregon, where online thieves in the U.S. and abroad found this couple's uh, home title exposed on a website. Uh, so they forged the documents to make it look like they, they were the new owners. They borrowed thousands of dollars in equity against the property. Uh, and the couple didn't know about it until the late payments, uh, late payment notices started to show up. Uh, it even got worse from there. A foreign bank foreclosed on their home. They were even evicted from their own home. They had to spend a fortune to undo this. It's because they didn't have home title lock. Um, if you don't want to have this happen to you, Prevent it with Home Title Lock for pennies a day. They'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title mortgage and the equity because that's what the thieves really want. So here's what you need to do. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Register your home for a free title scan and report. Those are normally $100, but they're free today to our family at the Blaze via HomeTitleLock.com. Issue four, Endgame. However excited you've ever been to see a new movie in theaters, it's almost guaranteed you've never been as excited as this guy was to see the trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine. Was doing. Sorry about that. I'm going to turn this puppy up. There we go. And let's do this. I just want to say right now, there are certain contexts where it is okay for a man to react to a woman that way. That, according to the Duke Code, is not one of them. Not one of them. I have been avoiding watching that. I knew it existed because I knew how it was likely to make me feel, and it succeeded on every front, and it was even worse. Than I thought. So uh, let's be serious for a second, though. We get excited about movies, you know? Nothing wrong with that. Don't want to be that excited, like orgasmic, but we get excited, okay? What's the most excited you can remember for a movie coming out? Aaron. Uh, I, I still think, even though I'm really excited about Endgame, and um, I went last night, um, obviously showing my excitement, uh, the most excited I have ever been still, I think, was The Dark Knight Rises. Hmm. That was okay. that was definitely the most Todd excited. quickly most excited you've ever been, most ever. Kid, Return of the Jedi. I don't think it's even close. Yeah, that would that would be mine. Yeah, Shannon. 
Mine is a little bit naughty. It's not a movie that was in theaters, but I was, I, I snuck Dirty Dancing when I was in fifth grade. And it was, I mean, all of my friends had seen it and been talking about it for years. And I, obviously I was, you know, grew up in a Christian household and we weren't allowed to see PG-13 movies. And my girlfriend got it. And, and I remember being so excited to see that movie and never got caught. Did you have the time of your life? See what I, I did there? Yeah. Hey, don't put baby in a corner. <laughs> No one puts baby in a corner. I watched that movie a hundred times. A hundred times. All right, we've got two minutes left. Just enough time for a prediction. So, Shannon, I'll start with you. Go. Um, I predict that tomorrow night I'm going to be home alone with the kids because devastatingly handsome Dr. Joy is going on a mandate with two of his buddies to see Avengers Endgame. And I'm a little bit annoyed about that but because I wanted to see it myself. Did you, did you give him the it's okay chick thing? <laughs> did you do that? No, what I told him, like, that's okay, honey. I'm just going to get the kids and we'll just get our own tickets and just sit right behind you. Nice. Todd, <laughs> prediction. Uh, my my daughter is a freshman in high school. She's being recruited for college sports. She's not going to graduate from college before she has to deal firsthand with uh, a boy trying to run in her sport. Mm. Aaron. Uh, shameless opportunity to brag about my brother who was in the Air Force. Um, he just got his next assignment, and I'm not going to go into too many details because I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to. It's not like classified or anything. I just oh, don't okay. Um, but he basically just got his dream job. So my prediction is I'm going to be making a lot more trips down to Florida. Nice. Okay. I think the next pop culture evolution is there's going to be an entertainment version of Fox News. It'll seek to cater to an audience that the networks and the studios are largely leaving behind as they pursue nihilism, hedonism, uh, social justice warrior street cred. Just as biased media for decades produced the environment that gave birth to Fox News, I think we're going to eventually see the same thing with pop culture as well. Shannon, have a great weekend. Take care, okay? We'll come back. Hour two, feedback, feedback Friday, and then I take a cheap shot at Todd. Next. Cool. Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. They are Todd and Aaron. Who are you? Let us know. 888-900-3393. You know, remember Romper Room when we were kids? Remember that show? I remember it no. existed. Yeah, it's before your time, Aaron. Like, you weren't born. But remember at the end when she used to hold up the mirror that had no glass and say, I see you and I see no. you? I used to always think that was like really creepy. Right, but you also like the cult movies. Maybe it's you didn't think it was as creepy as you thought. Uh, I I thought that was. I don't know what made me think about that. I see you. I see you. Was that creepy? Is this a live read? Are you helping a product or hurting it right now? What's going on? All I know is this is going to be a heck of a segue. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. I have no idea why I thought of romper room. I haven't thought of that in. 
a couple days. Uh, Steve at stevedays.com is the email address. When you're in the hospital, go to the nurse. Hey, remember Romper Room? Um, take your medicine, Mr. Dace. It was a little random. Yes. You can uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Uh, most of us probably, speaking of random, you ever gone over somebody's house for dinner? Have they had like a stoplight at their kitchen table? Stop. T- stop eating. To tell you when to stop eating. A stoplight. Tell you when to stop eating. You ever seen anything like that? No. Yeah, because no one's ever had that, right? And if they did, if they did, you might, you might leave. <laughs> right. You might think, <laughs> I'm suddenly very, un- very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable here. So if you don't want to be uncomfortable here, Give Riduzone a try. Um, it, it's kind of the natural stoplight for your body. It's main ingredient. To, it's called OEA, which sends a signal to your brain that you're full. Uh, unfortunately, for some of us, especially as we get older, that signal just ain't as strong as it used to be. So our metabolisms are out of whack. We keep eating, gaining weight, etc. Get your body some help from Riduzone. Only has a few ingredients. Rice is one. OEA, which our bodies produce, just not as much as they need to the older we get. Uh, that's the other one. You can feel fuller but naturally with Riduzone. And you can get a special offer right now. Quit fighting the losing battle of willpower. Instead, give Riduzone a shot right now for a special offer when you go to Riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Riduzone.com. All right, let's get to today's Truth Bomb, brought to you by my book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies, Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. Available everywhere Kamala Harris's books are sold, because apparently I am right next to hers, oddly enough. She's probably like, who the hell is this D guy, right? Uh, and if you've had a chance to read the book and you like it, give it a five-star review at Amazon, please. If you haven't purchased your copy yet, they still have some available on Amazon as we speak. Today's Truth Bomb is this video. Yeah. What is this? What? what? Look at this. Are you kidding me with this? Nope. I know. What? What, what is it? Look, look at just look at that guy. Act like he got shot in the leg. I know. Todd, writhing Todd, around. Todd, don't even don't even feign disgust with this. This is no, this is what you. It th- is disgusting. Don't. This is what you're bringing to America, brother. You're. I want you to know. You're helping it. to import. This emasculation I, to America. I have four daughters. We we watch women's soccer. You will never see this crap. In Where the true soccer. men play? Honestly, <laughs> you you don't. It, it it looks nothing like this. And I I know it's dreadful. How I've never I don't I've never seen a sport promote stuff like this. I mean, there there's flopping in the NBA or college ball on a charge, right? But and, and there's always embellishments to certain extents. Always attempt to get an edge. But I have never seen a, a systemic wussification incentivized, encouraged, and, and become foundational to a, a male pursuit like with, 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 this, with this level of flopping, feigning, faking in soccer. Where does it come from? Who, who, what? I don't know. I'm asking you. I mean, you're the soccer aficionado. Why, why do they do this? Mm. I don't. I don't know its roots. I don't know its genesis. I. I and why, why? Why? I'm in, in denial in this... purposefully about that. <laughs> well, least, I am. I don't blame. I don't. I don't blame you. When if we tried this in any sport growing up, those sorts of antics, 
what would have happened after the game was over? Oh, various kinds of whoopings, uh, verbal, real, uh, swirlies administered. Yes. There would have been hazing beatdowns. If you tried these kinds of punk moves and yet they're foundational to this sport. I know. And it's, it's here. It's, it's worldwide. That's why I'm careful. Uh, about this i mean it is genuinely the most global sport sure there is so it this is where i can't deny you know what do you can't just say it's about you know soft-headed american public education or you know what can i can i can i make a tie-in where i think it comes from i think it is the sporting it's the sporting um manifestation of victimology that if you look at a lot of the people that promote and run this sport around the world that are trying to make it more and more mainstream in America, politically, they are the purveyors of victimology. Um, and I think this is the sporting manifestation of victimology. You know, uh, I, I act like I got shot in the leg because a guy pushed my shoulder. I writhe around on the ground. You know, I'm only going to, I'm not going to make an ass out of myself to that extent. Um, Unless there's there's an anticipated reward for it. I think it's the sporting manifestation of victimology. Am I wrong? Oh, no, that's definitely in there. There there is actually one other. I didn't want to just say it's the only reason because this deserves to be mocked. But if if we want to be sober minded for a second, the 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 soccer has become way too physical. And it it if you allow it to get that close to rugby uh, and it's not enforced the and it's unnatural physicality, which I and I have arguments with the, within the soccer community about this all the time. I, I, you know, I love pro football. Mm-hmm. I think the, there the wussification is ridiculous. But if in soccer, if you let it turn into Lord of the Fies, self-reinforcing tactics will kick in sure. that are unedifying. I can and stupid, see what you're saying. But yep. the, there's a reason why so much of the flopping happens is because they let so much cheap crap go. They don't enforce. If you would call it, they wouldn't have to. And I, when I say There's have so to, much waste and fraud in oh, the system because you let so much victimology go. Oh yeah, is that I what mean, I hear you saying? It's, it's all bad stuff, but it's even happened in the girls' version of it. Um uh, at the just at the youth level where they think what's real soccer it just it just isn't and it turns into stupid things that non-fans like you can mock and rightly so and then i have to sit here and take it and rightly so hmm. Aaron, you have um, any thoughts well i was just other than dunking I mean, on todd which is always okay but no i was actually going to dunk on you oh okay Cause, well cause that's not but rugby, go ahead rugby because uh, <laughs> it's so easy with me you might as well have a challenge <laughs> yeah no rugby just todd in pass i think that's the only argument that i've actually soundly beaten steve on ever in my employment here where i argued that rugby is more manly than football like american football mm-hmm. i just wanted to throw that out there <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, as far as <laughs> soccer though <laughs> if it comes down to it in the United States, where it's either uh, where you have a choice between rugby and soccer uh, or nothing at all, I would take rugby and so- soccer if football ever die- dies out. Because I think rugby is actually a pretty entertaining sport to watch, although I don't watch it that much because it's not on very often. But it is a pretty entertaining sport to watch. 
All right, let's get to Feedback Friday. This is where we respond to your responses to us that you've sent us via the SteveDace.com inbox on Facebook, Twitter, at Steve Dace Show, or via email, Steve at SteveDace.com, last name. For those of you that don't have that trusty graphics package right there in front of you because you're listening on Blaze Radio or the podcast, it's spelled D-E-A-C-E. Let's begin with this note from Rocco, which seems pretty appropriate given what's coming out today. I'm really big into comics, and I've recently been reading a lot of the DC mythology behind a few characters like Wonder Woman, Shazam, The Fourth World, and The Spectre. I've noticed that all of these are aspects of many different religions, both ancient and modern. What I found interesting is that an interview with one that, with one writer, Greg Rucka, who's one of the, the heads of DC or one of their head writers, he says that, quote, the unspoken rule of, in the DC universe is that the Abrahamic God sits above all others, unquote. And that because of this, God created the pantheon of other mythologies and such. Also, there have been visual representations of God, like the voice, the hand, the source, and the presence. I was wondering what you all thought of this idea. Granted, it's a fictional universe. I thought, as a believer myself, that this was a cool way to maintain the presence of the one true God, but still be able to tell stories involving mythological deities, creatures, and legends. Who wants to tackle this one first? You want to take it first, Todd? Or Aaron, you want to go? Go. I would just say a general thing. Um, We don't have to have, we we don't, our our story does not have to be analogous, does not have to be analogous to something that is directly out of the scriptures. Because story, story transcends the characters, story transcends the names. We have the greatest story of them all though with the story of jesus christ there because there are themes story is not about the characters it is about the themes which the plot weaves together to produce um either wonderment or awe or fascination uh and so i think there are always various themes that can reflect that are born out of the greatest story which is our story that even in pagan even in mythological um, stories or or um, fiction uh, are, are still true. Um, you know, sacrifice, uh, duty, honor. You know, um, but I, you know, the, the theme of th- sacrifices, which is, you know, what we anticipate seeing in a lot of uh, Marvel movies and a lot of uh, mythological movies. That is that that is one of the main themes, if not the main theme, of the greatest story. So I don't think we ever have to. Um, start looking or start pulling for direct analogs such as Aslan, you know, in Chronicles mm-hmm. of Narnia. We don't have which to start... Which is allegorical which, stuff. Which is... Alle- yes, thank you. Uh, which is, you know, complete allegoric. We don't, we don't have to do that. We can enjoy the themes from good story so long as the themes are, um, you know, themes and, and some of the content therein, you know, doesn't doesn't prick our conscience like we should not be watching this we should not be in you know in taking this i don't think we have to look for direct analogs i i i think that's probably true steve you're the expert on that regarding dc but um i mean i know that uh, the, the what the creators were both uh, the early creators were both jews or at least one of the primary of superman creators. jerry siegel yeah, and joel so, schuster okay, so, which is really the the, sure. the granddaddy of all of this yeah so of course that makes sense but what i'm more interested in is not when it's overt but and we've had this discussion on this show about when it's accidental we've talked about this with the marvel universe the the fact 
that what has been pulled off has had so many transcendental themes of the good, the true, and the beautiful. It makes me think, you know, you can't, you cannot write a story that's edifying by using chaos. You, whether you want to or not, you have got, if you want to talk about the good and the true of the beautiful, you end up having to talk about some aspect of God. God will never be mentioned, but it has to be in there. His transcendentals. So I think that's more fascinating. It does. It shouldn't be shocking at all that men who created Superman in the forties or nineteen thirty eight. Yeah, yeah. We're we're pulling on uh, the same kind of themes that Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. I mean, it was more in the drinking water, but now it's just amazing when something like uh, something is edifying, something you'd want to show your children, a modern day parable. Uh, you know, a, a story with just people in every, you know, kind of everyday life. You expand the universe to actually be the literal universe and just on Earth, but people trying to get along, good versus evil. In order to do that well, it's unavoidable that God's going to be in there. So I think, uh, Rocco, that Todd and Aaron attacked, attacked the wrong word, Address. addressed your questions from the vantage point that you asked them from very eloquently and capably. So I'm going to come at this from a, from an angle that you didn't ask it from, but I think answers the same question, but puts the onus on you. And and I, I say this as someone who's a fellow fanboy like you are, okay? Since um, we're talking analogies and allegories uh, here, let me go to the Man of Steel movie. And there's a, there's a pivotal line, Russell Crowe's Jor-El says, early in the film. And this is when um, Zod breaks into the chamber of the High Council of Krypton and essentially begins to lead a revolt, a violent revolt. And he calls on his old friend Jor-El to assist him in overthrowing what they both agree. They both agree. It's a, it's a, bureau, it's a waste, lame, uh, dying bureaucracy that, has, that is not capable of addressing the planet's existential needs. And Jor-El looks at Zod and says, I will honor the man you once were by refusing to take part in this. I think for believers, and I don't say this gleefully, I'm not in a position to alter the outcome. I, I, I can only accept that which is given to me by powers beyond my control. I think where guys like you and I, Rocco, are going to have a challenge in the future is the allegorical and the metaphorical is soon going to become the heretical. And they're, they're soon going to bend these benign references to the spirit of the age and use references like the hand and the source and the presence to endorse what the current spirit of the age demands to be supported. And I think the challenge for, for guys like you and I, and if this seems like a familiar challenge it's because this is what's going on and at every every sector every vector of the culture right now you're going to have to understand rocco at some point you're going to have to say no i i am going into i'm going into end game later today thinking it is possible i don't think it's likely i don't think the 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 devolution will be this fast, but I do think it's possible 
that this and the next Spider-Man movie could very well be the last Marvel movies I ever pay to see. I think it's possible. I agree. Given, given the signals that they're sending. Now, I think Disney will rein this in to some extent. Because while Disney is progressive in nature, Disney, there's nothing Disney's progressive nature likes more than the making of money. Okay? So, you know, Disney will... That's why your big uh, transgender moment uh, in uh, Beauty and the Beast was uh, one guy for three seconds saying, I like makeup or whatever the hell that was. Okay? Um, But I think it's entirely possible, given the systemic deterioration of the culture, given the iconoclasm that the spirit of the age embodies, the tearing down of everything Todd just described is the goal. And as long as these are benign references, Aaron is right. We don't need them to be direct inculcations. Okay. It's not a requirement, but when they turn these to malignancies and when they begin the process and they will, it will happen. It's just a matter of how long away from this we are. Are we then going to decide our love for this, our attachments and love for these characters and these universes will cause us to do what we talked about Bethany Christian Services doing last hour, and will we bend with them? Because, you know, it's better than no spirituality at all. Do you know, Rocco, where your no zone is? Do you know? When I used to get involved in primaries and direct politics, I'd always ask the candidates that wanted my support. What is it you know you cannot do if you get elected? That you can't do? No matter what, no matter what, what, what the other side wants to do, no matter what your caucus wants, what do you believe you cannot do? And if you don't know the answer to that, then I, I can't help you from there. Because even if you get elected, you'll end up turning on people like us. Got to know, what lines can I not cross? And so that would, be my, that would be my challenge to you and to other fanboys like you and I. Are you prepared to say what Jorel says to Zod in that scene? I, I will honor the characters you once were. When they decide that the next Superman needs to be, Aaron, what's your favorite con- conglomerate? A uh, Muslim, atheist, vegan, pansexual, lizard person. Will you be able, Rocco, to say, I will honor the character this once was. And I'm going to pop in Christopher Reeve's Superman one more time. Are you willing to do that? Okay. And I, and I think that's not just in the fanboy realm. We had this exact same conversation last hour in a totally different context. I think this is comprehensively. What are we willing to say no to? What is, what is the line? And have a good reason for drawing it. Have a reason other than they insulted my favorite politician. No. Uh, no. no. I know most of your favorite politicians better than you do. None of them are worth it. Now, if they're insulting your God or you, that's a good reason. But not they're insulting my favorite politician and he told me on Twitter to stop watching the NFL. Don't, don't do it for that reason. That's a stupid reason. You're, congratulations, you're in a warring cult. That's not a, that's not a stance. You guys want to add anything to that? No, it's dead on. It's dead on. I think all of us are going to have to determine what's our no zone. Okay? Unfortunately, the way we are going, I think we're all going to have to determine this. 
Nick says, since I became a father three years ago, I've spent a good deal of time thinking about what I want the schooling process to look like for my children, public, private, homeschool, etc. My wife and I are approaching the time we're going to need to make a decision regarding the educational path we set for our oldest son. I was hoping that you and Todd could elaborate on the decisions you guys have made for your children from a spiritual, academic, and social standpoint, and maybe even have Aaron provide some insight from the perspective of a homeschooled student as well. Aaron, you want to start from there? Yeah, sure. I was just talking about this with somebody the other day. It's homeschooling is not for everybody, and that's not to sound condescending at all. Uh, it's just uh, it's just the natural. What what has God gifted you and your spouse with? And then looking at that and seeing is this compatible with homeschooling, and is there a desire? Is there a right motivation for homeschooling? Um, as well. Um, so that's, you know, looking at your gifts, looking at what you're good at. I think one thing, especially early on, because a lot of a lot of homeschooling curriculum, at least from when I was growing up, it's a lot different. There's a lot more support now, but at least from when I was growing up, um, most homeschooling curriculum, you would get to maybe fifth or sixth grade. And basically from then on, you're able to read and comprehend well enough to that to where you're able to kind of teach yourself or maybe even as far back as fourth grade. It's a lot of self-learning. But what's required to get to that point is a lot of willing investment from parents. And do you and your spouse have enough time to do that with your kids, especially early on, enough patience and the ability to do so? I would say if I ever uh, homeschool my kids, I'm never going to be able to help them with with math, especially not algebra. I mean, basic math, yes, but advanced math, arithmetic, algebra. No, I, I can't do that. So that's one thing. So what are you gifted at? Are you willing and able to put the time in at the beginning? And, um, you know, if so, are you willing to stick with it? Um, and then a lot of it has to do with your kids as well. Are they the type of people, are they the type of kids that really do need that one-on-one, um, that one-on-one type of learning that you're probably not going to get at public schools? If so, then maybe homeschooling is probably the best thing for your kids. And then the third thing is, is as well, my new sister-in-law out in Pennsylvania, she is a public school English teacher at one of, a pretty large school out in Pennsylvania, and that's a good school. It's a pretty good school district as well. Her perspective on this, which I really respect too, is, you know, we really need good, solid Christian kids from well-adjusted homes, well-adjusted kids from good homes in our public schools, because if not for them then it very quickly can become a, a, a huge cesspool. So that's another thing to think about as well. Are, you know, is if I'm not if I'm not going to be able to at least early on give the investment that my kids need for us to be able to homeschool, then you then I think at that point the a public schooling is probably going to be the best option. You need to start looking at, at at it as a mission, as a mission field for your kids, as an extension of the mission that God's given you as a family. So there's a few thoughts for you to maybe get started off with. Todd? Well, first of all, just as passionate as you are and idealistic on this front, and amen to that, be equal parts realistic about who you are. And this is echoing what Aaron said about who your wife is, about who your children are. It This isn't one size uh, fits all. I am. I'm, I was never homeschooled. We don't homeschool, but I'm a huge advocate uh, of homeschooling. It is something based on the combination of my wife's and uh, my uh, jobs uh, that homeschooling was simply not going to work. Uh, it, we both worked 
worked in uh, journalism, uh, the tenuous nature of working in journalism around the times we had young children. Uh, it was just, uh, it, it, it simply was not going to be viable uh, long term. So we started off in Catholic uh, school. All of our children went to Catholic school. We, there was no predetermined notion of how long we were going to do that, uh, but also because of the tenuous nature of the career before working for the Steve Day Show, uh, we, they, we ended up just through second grade. That's the big sacrament year. And then we went to a public school. It is a semi-rural slash suburban school, so it's not... It, we've never had any issues in that school district with pagan mumbo jumbo nonsense and we picked accordingly and we've been lucky so for for us um we have homeschooled from the beginning uh our oldest is actually going to graduate uh, next month um our uh, second child who i refuse to ever call middle because of the stigma associated with that um is still homeschooling our youngest noah will actually attend des moines christian next year because he has interest in extracurricular activities that there just was not an option for us um, to fulfill strictly in the homeschooling reign. Um, you'll go into the seventh grade at Des Moines Christian next year. We could go into the uh, the government schools. Uh, Iowa has laws that uh, because we're still paying taxes uh, for our kids to be in the government schools in the seats they're not occupying, that uh, they have to be given access to those extracurricular activities in their district. But we, the commitment that he would have to have essentially made it irrelevant to homeschool him and put him in those things. Meaning that if you're going to expose him that much to that environment, then he's actually better off being in it full time where he can actually um, not be seen as much of, as, as an outsider just beyond his belief system, but just culturally because he's kind of coming in and around late with a bunch of other kids that are around each other all day long. So given that extracurricular commitment, we made the decision that it was just better for him than to be uh, in a full-time Christian school. Uh, plus, I, I, he needs more competition. Like a lot of boys that age, he's inherently lazy. We all are, just so you know. Uh, and that's why we have to be challenged. And when you got two baby, two sisters that kind of baby all the time and your, your mama's baby, the only guy, le- the only person left to challenge you is me. And I don't really want that to be me all the time because that just creates enmity that we don't need. He needs to be challenged from his peers anyway. He doesn't need to compare himself to a grown man. So f- those are the reasons that uh, he's going to attend Des Moines Christian next year. Um, I think the maybe the wisest thing, and there's been a lot of wisdom said here, is what Todd said about, uh, you know, balancing idealistic with practical. Okay, because there's trade-offs in any decision that you'll make, and um, homeschooling is not hard, not easy. It's not. Now it's very rewarding, though. Okay, but it's not easy. None of these decisions are easy. It's a matter of what does what fits your family the best, and what kind of commitment can you give to your children, and then what are you willing to put up with if you pass on that commitment to somebody else, because. You'll have to put up with something. Um, if you struggle with energy and, and lack of productivity throughout the course of a day, check out this new product from Brickhouse Nutrition called From Dawn to Dusk. Uh, no afternoon crash, no jitters, improved mood and focus and energy for up to 10 hours with no calories and no sugar as well. Instead of getting your energy boost from a little bottle at a gas station, don't go where your car gets fuel. To get yours, uh, go to your creator, to nature, 
your manufacturer to get your fuel. And you can give this a shot right now, this groundbreaking formula. Uh, if you go to the website, BrickHouseSteve.com, that's the website, BrickHouseSteve.com. Use my name as a promo code, that would be Steve, and you will get 15% off of your first order at BrickHouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve. We'll continue with Feedback Friday in a moment, right here on The Blaze. Stay tuned. Twenty more minutes before we head out for an Avengers Endgame NFL Draft weekend. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself, guys. These two things happen in the same weekend. I might explode. I might. I might be back in the ER with heart palpitations. These two things happening at once. I. Or it's the most zen you're ever going to be. I, I'm, I'm, am I ever zen? Have you ever well, seen me zen? I, this, yeah. But here's a confluence. Aaron, of you said yes. Yeah. You have. Yeah, when have any, you seen me zen? Anytime you start talking about Reese's. That's, yeah. That's pretty zen. That's a zen place. Reese's peanut butter cups are... Dude, it's I, like, it's like three of the four food groups, I'm right? sorry. I should not have even mentioned that. I mean, there's dairy in there because there's chocolate, right? When you yep. talk about the uh, San Diego Chargers uniforms. Yeah. Those, those zen oh, those are, those are... Yeah. See? You're right. How about, your how, about, why, how about wearing a San Diego Charger powder blue uniform while eating, while eating a Reese's? Oh, and looking at Drake's. Uh, I mean, my heart, I, like, the, I would have like no pulse. I'd be so zen. It's the Drake Relays this weekend. Doing that while w- looking at Drake's throwback uniforms. Do you see those? Flatline right now, thinking about it. Yeah. I'm so calm right now. You know what, though? You know where you're never zen? Having done this a couple of times, I can speak from experience. You are never zen when you are in the process of buying or selling a home, especially if you're doing them both. Aaron's marveling at that segue. He liked that. Yeah. Especially who said, hey, finish the race. Right? Especially though, have you ever done the day, the double? That's where you're 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 trying to buy a house while selling the one you're in. Yeah. That always lowers the blood pressure. In fact, hey, you know what? Blood pressure's a little high. You know what the doctor's gonna tell you to do? Hey, go try and sell your home. <laughs> no. Never going to happen. All right. So if you're looking for a real estate agent you can trust, this is a company that Glenn Beck and his associates started a few years ago, tired of real estate agents who talked a good game and then didn't deliver the results they promised when needed the most. You need to check out realestateagentsitrust.com. You're looking for an agent who understands the the difficult, complicated process of, of the real estate market, has a long track record of successfully navigating it, also recognizes that while algorithms and formulas are cool and data helps, but you need to have the insider data as well. Uh, it's, it's more complicated than just, hey, here's the algorithm. I mean, is there a reason that a home in your neighborhood, for example, sold for way under the value you're going to ask of your home? Is it because those owners were desperate to sell? You need to know that. Or have you overinflated the value of your neighborhood? You need to know those kinds of things and an agent that can help you get those answers. And then a very basic thing, an agent you get along with. I mean, you guys are going to be spending a lot of time together. It can be stressful. He's going to make or she have to make some, you know, last minute request, call you. Are you ready to go right now, et cetera? So it helps if you get to go into a stressful situation like this. It helps to do it with somebody that you like. If you're looking for an agent that checks all of those three boxes, check out the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. 
Let's get back to Feedback Friday. This one is from Chris. And he says, would you guys agree it's going to require a massive change to our campaign finance laws to get principled politicians who will do the right things? As you've explained in the past, it's really all about the donors and the special interest groups. So any change to these laws will never happen. Well, here's the thing, Chris. How do you feel about monopolies? In general, have monopolies been good for humanity? Have the fewer options available to you, in general, been good for the human condition? No. No. How about when one entity in an exchange, in a, in an exchange or transaction has a monopoly on both ends of that uh, of that exchange of that tra- of that transaction? Is that a good idea? No, no. So, Chris, I would like to know what your recommendation is because if the recommendation is publicly funded elections, I'm out. I'll take what we have now. Yes. Publicly funded elections are like single payer healthcare. Do we all agree HMOs aren't the ideal customer service representative? Do we all agree on that? Mm-hmm. You like enjoy you enjoy calling your HMO? Feel like, yeah, I mean they I tend to get a fair shake every time I call. Uh, no. Okay. But if you think that's bad, let me give you the no competition option. Forgive me, I'm a little skeptical of those who say the answer to a more altruistic government is to acquire it through electing people by purely government-regulated and funded elections. I'm not sure I'm going to buy that. So... I agree with you. I would change the campaign finance laws, Chris. And I'm not saying you're advocating that, but often folks who ask these kinds of questions, that's their solution, publicly funded elections. See, I I think the answer is deregulation. I think the answer is everybody gives as much as they want, whenever they want, to whomever they want. It's just public knowledge there's, that's all. there's a caveat to that and you just said it, it it's deregulation plus sunlight yes with transparency yes. yeah yeah it's not that's thank you for adding that clarification and you've said that in the past yes. i know you agree with it yeah I, I it's your money i believe in the first amendment i think how you use your money is 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 is, an, is a form of free speech and expression in fact and as long as you're not using your money in a way that directly harms another individual now you want to get really tricky with this Someone could make the argument, hey, if you're voting for politicians that think it's okay to kill innocents, innocent children, aren't you using your money to directly harm another individual? I would love if we had the benefit of having that conversation. Okay? But I think we have to begin, the, 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 journey, of a, the journey begins with a single step here. So to me, the first step is I just have outright deregulation and everything is transparent. No, no, no. No, um, uh, no campaign can spend a dollar that isn't publicly filed online for everybody to go and see. Well, you know, Steve, we, certain entities don't want to have to, you know, um, expose who they are. And I get that then too bad, too bad. You know, no, there is no perfect system guys. 
You know, we, we cannot become like progressives that are trying to create an equality of outcomes. The best we can do is, and the, the best we can do east of Eden is an equality of opportunity, you know? So you can do whatever you want with your money and give it to whomever you want, as much of it as you want. But it's all transparent. And we all know. I, I think deregulate, and, and that will be fraught with problems. I agree. But I'd rather err on the side of transparency and less power of the entity that is the most likely to be corrupted than the latter. And unfortunately, you switched to talking about money uh, because that actually, managing that seems more attainable than uh, managing uh, the souls of the elected frauds that you're used to dealing with. And you're right. I, I get that. That's frustrating. But listen, you, you wouldn't, if you actually had people standing and delivering and fighting for genuinely good things, uh, you'd, and they were willing to use the money and marshal the money to fight for those causes. You wouldn't be arguing for public finance. You, I actually, you didn't do that directly, but you wouldn't actually, you wouldn't be arguing for campaign finance reform because there would be people on your side spending cash to do good. And we don't see that on a regular basis. I get why that's frustrating. So you're kind of searching elsewhere. Mm -hmm. You want anything in this, Aaron? You want us to move on? Uh, let's move on. Steve, I really appreciate your show and your courage to tackle the difficult conversations. And I have been struggling with a worldview issue, writes Justin Flynn. He says, I live in Kentucky. Boy, this is going to seem very apropos to talk about this given conversations we've already had here on today's show. I live in Kentucky and supported Kim Davis's stand against the Supreme Court decision regarding same-sex marriage. I believe that she was not only standing for her personally held religious beliefs, but also upholding Kentucky's constitution, which had a constitutional amendment that declared marriage was only between one man and one woman. Um, but my then pastor was critical of her actions not her belief regarding marriage, and believes she should have just stepped down from her position, allowing her to protect her conscience, but also because she should no longer she could no longer fulfill her public duty as county clerk in, in the given circumstances, as directed by the then governor and the courts. I disagreed on many fronts. I also thought our state government failed her and all the other county clerks in forcing them to individually sign and authorize such licenses in direct contradiction to their original oath and the state constitution. Did Miss da Mrs. Davis do the right thing? You recently said she was vindicated. How so? She was not reelected to that office and it's currently being adjudicated as to whether or not she has to pay all of the legal fees from this fight. She was released from jail during that time, but the decline of society continued just the same. I don't believe Christians should compartmentalize or hide their faith in their vocations or public service. How do you analyze such situations, especially in regards to elected officials? Do you see Mrs. Davis as a conscientious objector? Did she just demonstrate justifiable civil disobedience? Did her stance accomplish anything? Should Christians just step down in such situations that would compromise their beliefs if they conflict with fulfilling their public oath of office? Or should Christians stand, as Mrs. Davis did, even if only as a witness to truth and and courage. So, Justin, um, your pastor is wrong, or your former pastor is wrong. And he's actually not wrong because um, he thought the better course of action was for her to resign instead. He's wrong for, A, the reasoning that he used, and then B, thinking that that was the only course of action she could pursue. Uh, Mrs. Davis didn't give an oath of office 
to the public. Mrs. Davis gave an oath of office to God. And then the public decides if they appreciate the way that she upholds that oath of office and how they vote. So she has no public duty ever, ever, ever. There is no public duty that ever circumvents your oath to God, ever. I might have a different answer for a Christian that had given an oath of office to perform the public duty. I might have a different answer because that's a different oath. And we are to let our yeses be our yeses and our noes be our noes, right? But has anybody ever given an oath to uphold the public duty in the history of the United States of America? Nope. Nope. It's not her oath. Her oath is to uphold the oath of office. So help me public duty. So help me court opinion. So help me what? What's, what's the last phrase there? God. 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 So therefore, her oath is to whom? God. All of these other arguments become moot because of that. This is really simple, actually. It's just difficult to people who don't want to have to have this confrontation. The oath is the oath to uphold the Constitution against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. So help me, God. She gave an oath to God. Not to the public duty or the public will or court opinion or the polls. So she needed to uphold that oath. If, if she gave a different oath, I might have a different answer. But she didn't have to give a different oath. If she gave an oath, so help me the people of the United States of America. And then when the people of the United States of America decide we want to be pagan now and you decide, hey, I got to resign. I can't do that. That's okay. That's fine. But she didn't give that oath. She gave an oath to God. So, encouraging her not to fulfill her oath is exceedingly unbiblical. Heretical, I would say, actually. Error at the very least. Gutless, perhaps. She gave an oath to God. Not to anybody else or anything else, to God. Now, if a Christian believes, if she would have decided resigning her post was the right course of action because she couldn't uphold her oath to God, I would have been okay with that too. But to say she should have resigned because she couldn't fulfill her public duty, that's pagan. What is... yeah? That's a pagan notion. That's the idea that we can, uh, that the, the, that's dualism that we, that we walk into one arena. This is by the way, and this is a total bastardization of Augustine's two kingdoms theology. Okay. There is no win in Rome. Do as the Romans and Augustine's two kingdoms theology guys. It's not how it works. Okay. It's not how it works. Two kingdoms. Theology was meant to be a guide for navigating these situations. Not to give you permission to just be as pagan as you want to be when you're in the city of man. That's not how it works. There's not two codes of conduct. That's a bastardization of that tradition. So if your pastor would have said she should have resigned because she couldn't fulfill her oath to God with what the, with what the state demanded, I wouldn't have necessarily agree with that course of action, but I wouldn't have a huge disagreement with this premise. But for, for, to say that she couldn't fulfill her public duty, that's, that, that's, that's nothing. She gave an oath to God, not her public duty. Using, yeah, using that logic as well, the public duty thing, why, 
why wasn't why wasn't the pastor calling on the her why 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 wasn't the pastor calling on her bosses her her those in authority over her to fire her because if they are in charge of somebody who's uh, not fulfilling their public duty, whose job is it then to make sure right their position is right. fulfilling the public duty? Why right. is it why is it incumbent upon her? That's why I would wonder what what are the motivations of of saying that? What, what, see the reasonings here. Don't get caught up in the in the in the in the outcome or the practice. The reasonings and the premise here are what matter the most. If, if your pastor's reasoning is she couldn't perform her public duty, your pastor is preaching heresy. The idea that we as Christians change how we live because of what the culture around us is now engaging, adopting, and embracing. Okay? She's the duly elected secretary or count, commissioner of that county. She, there was a law already in place. She swore to uphold that law. She swore to uphold the constitution. And then she swore that oath to God. That's who her oath is to. And I do believe she was vindicated by how many of these confrontations we are now having across the board. You know, I, I know we want to have, there's got to be a cute way out of this, man. Right. We got to be able to break in in the morning and reprogram the Kobayashi Maru. Nope. There's no cute way. Because you are here for choose ye this day. This is why we're here. We're here. Jesus looks into the eyes of the man who is going to give the kill order for his life. And he says, for this reason, I came into the world to testify to the truth. That's why you're here. Now, if you think you can testify to the truth by resigning, fine. If you think you can testify to the truth by refusing, fine. But a pastor should be, should be teaching what's the best way to testify to the truth. And surrendering to the public will is never a way. Ever. Ever? Ever. And I've got a large cloud of witnesses who were all martyred and persecuted to back me up on that one. You know what another name for the public will often is? The mob. The mob. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Hey, one last time, if you didn't recall the story uh, I mentioned earlier today from Oregon, a couple out in Portland losing their home to home title fraud. Scammers, both uh, abroad and here, uh, scammers, both foreign and domestic, uh, took advantage of their home, refiled it as their own, started taking out loans on their equity. They stuck them with the late payment notices. They got an eviction notice from the foreign bank that their mortgage ended up getting uh, filed through. They even got an eviction notice, spent a fortune fighting this. They could have just spent pennies a day fighting it and, and preventing it with home title lock. They'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title, your mortgage, and most importantly, that equity, because that's what the scammers really want. Uh, and if you want to take advantage of this, you can get a free title scan and report today for free. Now, this is normally a $100 value, but you can find out today for free if your home has been targeted or tampered with at hometitlelock.com. That's hometitlelock.com. We've got a little bit more than a minute here. Gentlemen, what did we learn here today? Yeah, salt and light. Salt and irritant. Salt also seasons uh, things to make them more palatable. Light, um, it's not always. Sometimes it's it's the morning sunrise, a beautiful morning sunrise, but sometimes it's what the light does to the zombies in, uh, in um, what's the... Oh, man, what is the movie? I just had it on the uh, tip of my tongue. That... 
it's what light does to zombies sometimes. Um, don't drive in a ditch. Don't drive in a ditch. <laughs> it's been a long day. Have a great weekend, John 317. <laughs> This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.